0: Or connecting with people through life groups and pocket churches. To learn how to get connected and find your pocket, please go to lifechurchgreenbay.com. Again, so glad you're here with us today. Here's this week's message.
1: All right. Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter one. If you don't have a traditional Bible, but you'd like one, if you just raise your hand, one of my friends will bring you one. You can either borrow that or you can keep it. It's our gift to you. You can also take your smart device and you can open up the YouVersion app or it's also called the Bible app. And we've already uploaded all the notes and all the scriptures. Of course, we'll also put all of that stuff on the screens behind me just to make it as easy as possible for you. If you're watching us online at one of our other sites or at one of our services at the Brown County Correctional Facility, I love you guys and I I am so glad that you guys are a part of our family. And so for the last uh, number of weeks, we've been in this series uh, from the book of Ephesians. We're still obviously in chapter one, but what it talks about in a series and in this book is identity. And although we look at this like it's a book in the Bible, it was really uh, a letter to a church that was started in the city of Ephesus, a letter from a guy named Paul. In the church, we call him an apostle, which just means one who's sent. So this apostle named Paul was sent by Jesus to spread his message to people who weren't like him. And he did that by starting churches and then writing letters to the people in those churches. And theologians, that's people who studied the Bible for a living, they call these letters epistles. And this guy, Paul, who was an apostle, wrote 14 of those letters or 14 epistles, including four that we call prison epistles, meaning he wrote those letters while he was in prison. Hello to my brothers and sisters watching us in the Brown County Correctional Facility. That's not who you are, that's where you are. So, so there are four letters that Paul wrote and he sent to his friends from a prison cell. You have Philippians, Colossians, Philemon, and this one, Ephesians. And, and this letter... It's essentially all about identity. And interestingly, over half of this letter is actually a prayer, meaning that while he's in prison, he was praying for them. And so anyway, we've been talking about identity. We've been asking this question, who are you or who do you think you are? And so far, we've said, I am in Christ. And I told you that there's only two types of people in the world, those who are in Adam and those who are in Christ. And the most important question that you can ask of yourself is, am I in Adam or am I in Christ? The second week we said, I am a saint, which was, you know, bristly for some people. And in that message, I asked another question, an even more difficult question. Are you a sinner or are you a saint? And this question is also important because your behavior will always be determined by how you identify. Then last week, We said, I am blessed. And I asked you a third question. Are you blessed or are you cursed? You are either one or you are the other. And it's good stuff. It's tough stuff, but it's good stuff. It's almost, this series is, it's almost surgical. And so this week I want to continue the conversation with the message that we're calling, I am appreciated. Let's pray. God, we love you. We honor you. We value you. We appreciate you. Thank you for your gifts. Thank you for your calling. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your spirit that doesn't have to visit, that doesn't have to fall. God, it was already here. It was waiting for us. You were waiting for us. And so today I pray that you would radiate, resonate, that you would well up within us, that you would push out the bad and let in the good, that our hearts and our minds would be changed, that when we leave this place, we will be metamorphosized, God. We would be less like us and more like you in Jesus' name. Amen. And so Paul, after reminding us of six ways that God has already blessed us, continues his letter by saying, because I've heard of your faith in Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I don't stop giving thanks for you. And I don't stop remembering you in my prayers. I read that. I go, isn't it nice to be appreciated? Like if you're a person who regularly reads the Bible, have you ever noticed wherever you're studying tends to be what you're experiencing, <laughs> like, like your life and your studies totally intersect. And the reason for that is that God knows what's coming in your life, and in his providence, he coordinates where I am in my life and where I am in his scriptures, which imminently makes his words seem incredibly relevant and incredibly timing. And this week is no different. Anyone who knows me knows that I I am an overtly, overly, almost extremely generous person, which most of the time isn't affected by anything or by anyone, except for entitlement, except for lack of gratitude or lack of appreciation. The only thing that'll cut off the flow of my generosity is a lack of appreciation. And the past few weeks, I've been a little sensitive, if I'm being honest. I've, I've, I've been a little whiny. About the relationship between my giving and some people's receiving. Like I would buy dinner for someone again and, and yet again, they wouldn't even say thank you. I, I, I'd send someone a vulnerable text of appreciation or apology and they wouldn't respond even though Tim Cook and Apple told me that they had read my text and i found myself wishing that i could rescind that text or or thinking you know what you don't you don't want to thank me for the dinner i hope you get food poisoning because cuz i'm just i'm just i've just been being sensitive i've i've even been i've even been angry which which has made me want to be selfish rather than generous And then I read these words by Paul written from a jail cell The people who hadn't visited him or wrote him letters of sympathy or support, hadn't sent him chocolate chip cookies or put money on his account at the commissary. And yet he says, I don't stop giving thanks for you or remembering you in my prayers. And I read that and I think, shut up, Paul, (laughs) with all your gratitude and all your thanks and goodness and appreciation. And when I read that, the Holy Spirit, he says to me, bro, why are you being so sensitive? Why are you being so soft? Why are you being so whiny? And suddenly my struggles and his scriptures seamlessly intersect. Isn't the Bible annoying sometimes? It's like totally get on your nerves like when your spouse is right. You hate when your spouse is right, even though you know that you were wrong. You don't want them to say that you were wrong. You don't want to know that they know that you were wrong. And sometimes, like, I know the Bible is right, but I don't want it to get all ignorant about it. Like, I don't need the Bible to be all messing with me. Because in the times that I want to be anxious, God reminds me that I am appreciated. And I wonder how many of you are in one of those seasons where with your family or your friends, there's a sense or a spirit of entitlement or expectation, ingratitude, or even criticism, how have you responded to that? Have you gotten angry, self-righteous, judgmental, bitter? Have you, have you even thought, well, they don't even care, so why should I even try? And if that's the case, then you're in the right place because our scripture today, it, it speaks in a very timely way about appreciation. And I think it's timely because it feels like our world is more rude and critical and demanding than it has ever been, which makes us wonder, what are we supposed to do with that? Like, like if you're in the service industry, can I just, can I just apologize to you for the way that people have treated you post COVID? The way that they have stop looking at you the way that they have acted entitled, the way that they've stopped tipping the way that they should. Haven't we become a COVID culture? Like it's, it's shifted the way that we do things. It's like, it's like we've almost forgotten that people who are in the service industry, they make a little less money up front so that they can make a little more money on the back end when you reward them for the way that they served you. <laughs> I ordered a pizza the other day. First of all, pizza is the perfect food. You want to debate me on it? You lose, I win. You could get pizza and it has all the food groups on it. That's what I'm saying. You got the bread, you got the vegetables. If you get pineapple on it, because God knows Jesus loves pineapple on pizza, I'm just saying. You can get meat and you got the dairy. It's all the food groups. It is the perfect food and it's handheld in Jesus' name, hallelujah. We have a debate in our house about what is the best pizza. We all think, and when I say we, I mean everyone other than Pastor Sunny. We all think Papa John's is jam. She thinks Pizza Hut is it. I said, shoot, the devil is a liar. <laughs> Remember when they made that grilled cheese pizza though, but Pizza Hut had that grilled cheese pizza and inside the crust was a grilled John's. Oh, shoot. I don't know why they got rid of that. Anyway, I ordered a pizza the other day and there was this awesome button on the Papa John's website that you can click. And it says, no contact, leave it at my door. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Clicked it, ordered the pizza, went about my business. Got a phone call, answered the phone. It was my delivery person from Pub John's. They wanted me to know that they were at the door with the pizza. You don't read the website? (laughs) I clicked the button that I don't want to see your face. I want to talk to you. I don't want to mess with you. Leave my pizza at my door. <laughs> I got kind of ugly about it. I was like, I said like this. I said, um. You <laughs> know somebody to sense with, um, I said um. <laughs> I clicked the button that said, leave it at my door. <laughs> she said, oh, I understand that. But all the lights were off. I thought either no one was home and she's being nice about it. I thought, either, because I'm sounding sarcastic. She didn't sound because it's my natural native tongue. She said, she said, I didn't thought the lights were off. I didn't know anybody was home. So I thought either somebody ordered the pizza to your house without you knowing about it, or I'm at the wrong house. I just wanted to make sure that you got your pizza OK. Well, then I felt like a jerk. Because she was probably thinking, bro, I didn't want to see your face either, <laughs> but I wanted a tip. And so I was like, isn't it interesting how we've become people who, you know, we used to be nice, but now we get an inch and then we take a yard and all of a sudden we try to act like something that we weren't. Now we've become ugly or we've become belligerent. And it was no different in Paul's day. So Paul starts by telling you and starts by telling me, you are appreciated by Jesus. Maybe if you grew up in a different culture of a church, maybe that's a revolutionary thought to you that you would say, Jesus appreciates me. Yeah, Paul communicates that when he says, I never stop giving thanks for you. And when I say that, you may think he was writing to that person. He was writing to them. How does that relate to me? And even if it does relate to me, how is that telling me that Jesus appreciates me? Well... Uh, here, here's your mini seminary class for the day. We believe in something called verbal plenary inspiration. And I know that's a big word, but what that's saying is that God wrote the Bible through people. So it may be Paul's voice, but it's God's word. And God wasn't just speaking to the people in Ephesus. He's speaking to anyone who will ever read these words. So God is saying through Paul, he never stops giving thanks for you. And what would it mean to you if you could wrap your mind around the fact that God appreciates you, that he appreciates your obedience, your faithfulness, your generosity? He does. And Paul is telling us that God is thankful for us, Paul in his teachings, he's saying that God is omniscient. That, that means that God is all-knowing, which, which sometimes the church has made seem like a really bad thing, like God's a surveillance camera that's always watching, or, or he's our Alexa that's, that's always listening, always recording, always sending tips to our phones and our computers to send pop-up ads about things we don't want, but we were talking about them and suddenly they're on our phones. You ever have a conversation with somebody in your house? This is private. It's you and your lady. You're talking about stuff. <laughs> private stuff, not ugly. Not, not, not naughty stuff. Like, some of you, like, your mind all of a sudden went right to the gutter. <laughs> You're talking about something. You're just trying to hide something from the kids. Hey, you know what we should do for Christmas break? We should take a cruise. What if we took a cruise? What if we surprised the kids? Would you come on a Disney cruise? Wouldn't that be sick? They would lose their mind. They wouldn't even know how to act. Next time your kids open up your computer, boom, there's a big ad for the, this is your secret and your kids are smarter than you. So they know if something pops up on your computer or on your phone, then they know that you were talking about it. And so now you're Alexa, which is listening to everything. It feel like Big Brother is watching all the time, but that's how we've made it seem with God. That in his omniscience, God is just trying to catch us doing something wrong. But God isn't only keeping track of the things that you're doing wrong. He's also keeping track of everything you're doing right. He sees your obedience, your faithfulness, your generosity, and he appreciates it because he appreciates you. He doesn't just see the times that you give in to temptation. He sees the times that you don't give in to temptation. He doesn't just see the times that you're greedy. He sees the times that you're generous. He doesn't just see the times that you're lazy. He sees the times that you selflessly serve. And even though others may not see it or appreciate it, God sees it, he knows it, and he appreciates it all. And I hope that just that thought blesses you, encourages you, because people who feel appreciated, they just live differently. And Paul gives us a list of, of how people who are appreciated ultimately act. He gives us five things appreciated people do. Here's the first. Appreciated people exchange grumbling for praying. I, I don't know if it's just me, but when I feel unappreciated, I tend to grumble. I tend to gripe. I, I tend to complain. And I, I murmur for the rest of the day. It hijacks. My day. <laughs> Somebody will say something stupid. They'll say something ugly. They'll say something mean. And for the rest of the day, I will walk around. Hmm, hmm, this person you will know, tell me. That I need to, I have more than 13 items. 13 items. This is a suggestion. It's not, you know, to make me go to the back of the line and you're the only register open. How dare you tell I got to go to the self check and now I got to figure out how to work another piece of technology. I don't have my kids with me or nothing. You're going to be in here. I'm going to look stupid because you're going to tell me I had 13 items. I'm supposed to only have 12. Whatever. I'll just take one away. You know, you're like, all day I'll be like, I'm not even, I'm never going back to that store again. And I know I'm going to go back to the store again. You know why? Because we don't have that many stores in Walmart. Like you can't, they can agree. Green Bay, you can't boycott them all, right? So I just, I'm going to go back. But when I go back, (laughs) I remember you. Remember you over there working, telling me you don't know who. Here's the thing. You ever grumble? I grumble. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the only, you know, unsavory person in this place. Here's the problem with grumbling is it's contagious. And it's an airborne pathogen. You know, pathogenic microbes are small enough that they are unseen and they're released by coughing, by sneezing, or by close personal contact. Anybody ever coughed their complaints in your face, sneezed their sensitivity all over you? And here's the thing. We don't tend to grumble to the people who've offended us. We, we tend to grumble about them to the people in our lives who haven't offended us. And in the process of that, we infect the other person with our grumbling because you can't grumble to someone about someone without affecting their opinion about the person that you're grumbling about. And now you've affected them with a secondhand offense, which is more deadly than the initial offense because long after you've forgotten about your little fit, they still carry it. Ladies, let me pick on you for a minute. Here's why. Because guys, you know, most guys don't have that many meaningful conversations anyway. So guys, just turn your ears off. Just pretend I'm your wife for a minute. Turn your ears off. Hello. So ladies, when your man does something you don't like, And you go to your sister and you say, You're not gonna believe what he did. This fool, blah, 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 blah. This trifle, blah, 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 blah. And he said, blah, 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 blah. And then he said, and every word you say, your sister is storing it up. She's like, well, I already hated that fool. I told you, you should have never married him anyway. He's ugly. Have you seen his toenails? I mean, this sucker, I told you he was never going to amount to nothing. Now he's getting mad at people at the checkout counter for having 13 things. He's small minded is what he is. I tell you, He's never going to amount to nothing. And his mama's ugly. <laughs> she took it to Mach 3. You're like, all I was saying is I was mad. And here's what happens. You leave that conversation with your sister. You go home, you and your husband do the nasty, everything feels good between y'all now, and six weeks later, you've already gotten over it. She walks up to your husband, like, You're not even good. You've never been good enough for my sister. And, And all of a sudden, you have infected her with a secondhand offense. And there's really only one cure. And it is prayer. Grumbling is when you talk about people to other people. Prayer is when you talk about people to Jesus. Here's the deal. You can talk all the smack you want. You talk ugly about every, every, you could say the ugliest, ugly, nastiest things about whoever you want to. You just have to say it to Jesus. Because when you talk about people to Jesus, the Holy Spirit tends to shift your perspective and soften your heart. Appreciated people don't grumble, they pray. Here's a second Appreciated people exchange competition for celebration. People who don't feel appreciated suddenly become competitive with people who they perceive are appreciated. It's where you get things like sibling rivalries or where coworkers can turn on each other. This is where spouses can become jealous of each other. Like for me, I'm blessed that I have a spouse who celebrates me rather than competes with me. Like Pastor Sunny is a world-class communicator. She's one of the best leaders that I've ever known. Yet, even though I get all the attention and most of the credit for what God's done over the years here at Life Church, she doesn't get competitive. She celebrates me publicly and privately because she spends enough time in prayer and in God's presence that she knows how much he appreciates her. And Paul says that you will know and feel that appreciation too when you become a person who prays. He says, I remember you in my prayers that God would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him that you'd have the eyes of your hearts enlightened so that you'd know the hope to which he's called you and the riches of his glorious inheritance. Trust me, I get it. At some point, everyone wants at least a little credit. Everyone wants at least a little appreciation. But know this, nothing you do goes unnoticed or unnoted. God keeps really good books. And with every good deed you do, your inheritance is growing with compound interest. So when someone else is celebrated by man, you don't have to compete. You can celebrate them too, knowing that God is celebrating you. Here's a third, appreciated people exchange bitterness for thankfulness. Sometimes when you feel unappreciated, you can become bitter and you start looking at life like you're its victim. And so you start asking questions like, why are they healthy, but I'm sick? Why are they married, but I'm single? Why did they get a promotion when I got a termination? Why is it that they don't do anything, but everyone loves them, yet I do everything and nobody loves me. It's bitterness and bitterness takes their blessings and makes them your curses. Bitterness is a struggle for me. It's a deep rut in my soul. I actually talked to Pastor Sonny about this this week. It's like a groove in the road that when my wheel gets stuck in it, my whole life gets out of balance. Because as generous and as gracious as I can be, I can also be bitter in spades. Like if I feel hurt, taken advantage of, unappreciated, I have to fight the old me that is in me. Where if someone does me dirty, They're dead to me, or I want to block them on social media or delete them from my phone. And the answer to that isn't as simple as, well, don't be bitter. (laughs) That's like looking at me and saying, well, don't have blue eyes. And so the Holy Spirit regularly has to slap me over this to where I need to humble myself and repent. And Paul gives us some really good perspective about it when he says Jesus is far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and above every name, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he puts all things under his feet and he gave him his head over all things. And what he's saying is that Jesus has given himself as a gift and he rules over everything, over Satan, demons, nations, people, times, places, and everything is underneath his feet. Every person and place that is praised today won't be praised tomorrow. Everyone's name eventually comes to an end, but his name lives and lasts forever. And so he's saying, when you think it's about your name, you get bitter. But when you realize it's about Jesus' name, you get thankful because in Christ you are appreciated. Here's the fourth. Appreciated people exchange performing for serving. People who don't know they're appreciated feel like they have to brag about what they've done sometimes, even, even sometimes exaggerate what they've done. My, my, my mother-in-law uh, gave me a little wisdom 25 years ago. She said, if you have to say you is, you ain't. You ever see people that try to act like they're, mm -hmm, um, yes, mm. you're like, mm -mm, no, mm -mm. that's the language that we talk between each other, by the way. It's, mm, um, yes, mm, and I, you know, yes, mm, when people walk in and they're, they try to be big and you're like, mm, mm -mm. I know, I know this. And they try to exaggerate who it is that they are and what it is that they've done, but who is it that you're performing for? Like insecure people perform for other people, but performance causes us to be enslaved to other people and their opinions, which causes us to be stressed out, overworked, and unable to say no. Here's the difference. Performance is done for the sight and the approval of others, where service is done knowing that God is watching and he approves what we're doing. We're not called to perform. We're called to serve. Which is why Jesus said the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve. Otherwise, when the Pharisees accused him of breaking the law by healing on the Sabbath or being blasphemous with his message, he would have caved and crumbled to their opinion. But Jesus knew his mission and he said, Truly I say to you, the Son of Man could do nothing of his own accord, only what he sees the Father doing. Performance causes us to focus on big things and only do what's visible or significant. But service allows us to do simple, humble tasks, the little things. My my brother-in-law, Brian, he lives this. He's he's one of the best worship leaders that I know. And yet they moved to Nashville where he's working as a songwriter and as a brand developer. And and they're attending a church that it's an amazing church. And I love that church. But Brian, my brother-in-law, who is a world-class worship leader, is leading worship for their kids' church, even though... In my opinion, he is better than any of the people they have leading in their adult services, but he's healthy and he understands God's appreciation for him so much that he has exchanged performance for service. Some of you need to start living in that, exchanging performance for service. When you start to do that, you live your lives in the center of contentment. Here's the fifth. Appreciated people exchange boasting for encouraging. I'm not going to speak for you. I'm just going to speak for myself for a minute. There are actually three things that I have done when I have felt unappreciated. Here's the first. Number one, I've obsessed about making everything I've done known. You ever done this? When someone comes up and asks you how you're doing, I've responded something like this. How you doing, Sean? Bro, I'm exhausted. you, you have any idea how much I've had to do this week? Because I perceive that they don't appreciate me. And so because of that, I feel like I need to read the resume of everything that I have possibly done in this week and how I am. Bro, you're already appreciated. You don't have to convince me. Here's the second thing I've done is I've exaggerated. Have you ever done things and and people didn't praise you, so you told them that you did a little more, hoping that they'd kick you a little praise? (laughs) <laughs> I knew a guy, this wasn't me, I promise. I knew a guy who, who was super smart and obviously he read a lot. You could tell by the way that he taught. But, but there were times where his knowledge and his appreciation were taken, grant, taken for granted by the people who he was serving. And so, so he started exaggerating his preparation and saying that he reads a book a day, 365 books a year. Now, I had heard him say a number of times in other presentations that he actually reads 50 books a year, which is insane. That's incredible. That's basically a book a week. But when he didn't get the response that he wanted, he exaggerated, which took this super smart guy and made him look stupid. Because really? A book a day? 365 books a year? That's physically impossible. I know that because I ran the test. I took my Audible app. And I put the reading on two times speed, which is so fast, you can't understand what they're saying, which is like me reading scripture sometimes to some of you. You're like, bro, slow it down. And then so I'm like, <laughs> Chapter two. <laughs> bro, at two times speed, I couldn't listen to a book a day. And so here's this dude who was super smart, who just made himself look foolish. You ever exaggerated here's the third thing i've done when i felt unappreciated is i've lied <laughs> yeah lying is when you take exaggeration to the next level you heard me i have lied years ago i had a university contact me to tell me that they were awarding me an honorary doctorate based on the opinion that they had of the impact that my ministry had had to that point when I got the call, I got super excited. I was like, heck yeah, man. Yeah, baby, let's go. I went right online. I started designing business cards. I changed my salutation on all my stuff. I wanted a credit card to come that said doctor. I put it on business card and, it, and my name was in 12 font. But the doctor, doctor. Like it was like in 24 font, different color, bold exclamation, slanted, underlined. I was like, oh, here's my business. I want to hand my business card out to people who I didn't know. I wanted to get in line with 13 items and hand my business card and say, oh, it's okay. I'm a doctor. Like, I, I'm not a doctor. If you get sick, don't call me. I'm just saying, like, I wanted people to be as excited about it as I was. But when I would tell people that I had an honorary doctorate, they'd be like, well, wow. you Technically, you can't call yourself Dr. Hennessy because it's, it's not an earned doctorate. Huh. So eventually, when I would tell people that I had a doctorate from that school, I would conveniently leave off the honorary part. Did I have a doctorate from that school? Absolutely. Had I earned that doctorate? Not in the traditional sense. So for me to leave off the honorary in exchange for their honor, it was a lie. And you know what? You've done it too. I hear it every week sitting in the stand at Lambeau. Guys who could have gone pro, (laughs) but they hurt their knee. Bro. It's a lie. And we do it because unappreciated people are tempted to lie about things they didn't do to get praise they don't deserve. And one of the things I love about Paul is he doesn't brag or boast. He says, I praise God for you continually in my prayers. I love you. I'm thinking about you. I appreciate you. I am proud of you. And the result of that is that Paul has a ministry of encouragement that's lasted more than 2,000 years. That's how powerful the gift of encouragement is. That's how powerful the act of appreciation is. So can I encourage you today? You are loved. You are significant. You are appreciated. And not just by me, but Paul says by Jesus. If you've ever served, Jesus appreciates you. If you've ever given, Jesus appreciates you. If you've ever prayed, Jesus appreciates you. If you're growing, Jesus appreciates you. You are appreciated. Doesn't that feel good? Just, ah. Here's the thing, just like grumbling is contagious, so is gratitude. And so wouldn't it feel good for you to make someone else feel appreciated? And so I want to close by giving you a very practical take home. I, I ordered a bunch of thank you cards. I tried, guys, I tried to get them as, as, as masculine as I could. There's no flowers or anything on this. So I ordered a bunch of thank you cards and we put them in the back of every seat, unless you're on a front row, and it's underneath your chair. And so I'm going to ask you to think of someone who you appreciate. And I want you to take this card and I want you to write something. And then I want you to actually mail it to them like snail mail. Because wouldn't it be nice to get some good news in the mail instead of some bad news? Because when we criticize people, we're making a withdrawal. But when we appreciate people, we're making a deposit. And so I'm asking you to make a deposit this week. And I know some of you, you might be thinking, well, I got the card, but I wouldn't even know where to begin. What would I write? So what if you said something like this? Dear Marty, I was studying the book of Ephesians and there were some people that the author really loved and he says he never stopped praying for them and he thanked God continually for them. When when I heard that, the Holy Spirit brought you to my mind. So I want to say thank you and encourage you because I appreciate you. Signed, me. Or... If you're not a Bible nerd like me, (laughs) you go, I would never write something stupid like that. So how about this? Dear Kitty Lou, I love you and I appreciate you. You're amazing, signed me. Either way works because it's so encouraging to know in Christ, you are appreciated. Would you close your eyes all across this place? You are appreciated. You know, salvation is a symbol of that. It, It is a reflection of the fact that you are appreciated that God appreciated you so much that he did what's called the great exchange. He exchanged his son's life for yours. You see, the act of salvation is just acknowledging that you are appreciated. That God appreciates you, and in that appreciation, he gave a gift. And you finally have recognized that you appreciate him. And in your appreciation of him, you are now willing to receive that gift. This morning, we're gonna give you the opportunity to enter into what in the church world we call a relationship with Jesus, where, where you recognize the fact that everything that you've been doing in your life, you are incapable of doing right. And in that recognition, you invite Jesus to take over control of your life. The Bible says that to do that, you really need to do two things. You need to confess and profess. Confess that you're a sinner and profess that Jesus can change that so this morning, I want to give you the opportunity to do both those things. Confess and profess. And we're going to confess by this. In just a moment, with nobody looking around, I'm going to ask for people who don't have a relationship with Jesus, but want one, to raise their hand and make eye contact with me. Once you've made eye contact with me, you put your hand down. And then I'm going to ask everyone in here to repeat a prayer after me. And if you repeat that prayer, and you mean it in your heart, the Bible says you will be saved. So if you're here... You say, Sean, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, but I'd like to have one with nobody looking around. Would you raise your hand and make eye contact with me right now? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thanks. Thank you, thank you, thanks. Okay, I'm gonna ask everybody in here to say these words after me. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, but I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Come into my life, change me, make me different, make me new, be my Lord, be my Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. Friend, if you prayed that prayer, we would love the opportunity to connect with you. So if you want to do it old school, there's that card that we talked about in the seat back in front of you. It says, hello. You can tear off the bottom part, fill in whatever information you're okay with us having. Check the box that's highlighted in yellow that says, I'm choosing to follow Jesus. Either put it in the black buckets when they come around in a minute. We you can take it out to the Welcome Center. If you're new school, you can scan the QR code on the seat back in front of you, or you can scan the one that's on the screen. Either way, we just want the chance to connect with you and to help you in your journey away from where you are toward where Jesus wants you to be. I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes one more time before we receive the Lord's tithes and your offering. I wonder if you're and you say, Sean, I'm saved. I'm a Jesus guy, I'm a Jesus girl. But if you're honest, you haven't really been feeling appreciated. haven't been feeling appreciated by humans and maybe you haven't been feeling appreciated by God if that's you I want to pray for you so if that's you and you say Sean I've been feeling a bit unappreciated would you raise your hand so that I could pray for you yeah geez Louise so many God for so many people in this place who just feel unappreciated God let them experience your love and your mercy your gratitude and your appreciation fill their hearts in Jesus
0: name amen Hey, thanks for joining us this week. Did you know we have discussion questions for each message? You can download them and talk it over with your friends and family. Go to lifechurchgreenbay.com to download today.